Welcome back, Lincoln Podcast. Today we have Dustin Starr, a.k.a. man of many names. I mean, did you have like 17 names? Like, um, So how did you st- get the name Dustin Starr? How did you choose that one over everything else? Oh, man. That's actually, I don't think very many people have actually asked me that question over the years. It's a, actually a weird story. I was doing, um, as a kid doing like role-playing wrestling games. Uh, I can't even remember what it was called, but you would write out these promos and stuff. And based off of how good your promo was, was if you won or lost. It was just a game that they played on the internet. And uh, I was doing that while I was training to wrestle. And I thought, oh, this will really help me with cutting promos. You know, I can learn how to use different vocabulary or whatever. I said, hey, guys, I'm going to debut and have my first match. But I need a name. And somebody I don't even know is like, eh, just use Dustin Star. So, okay, I, I could use that until I, you know, think of something better. <laughs> right. Here we are, like 20 years later, I never thought of something better. So no, but for uh, ever since day one, I've been known as Dustin Star. That's kind of how it happened almost on accident. That's really legit because I was just like, there's got to be a good story behind this. And yeah, we go. But also, how old are you when you got into wrestling? 15 years old, I started training. Man, that's so you've been doing it your whole entire life pretty much. Pretty in much, some form, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. Since uh, being in high school, I was a part of the wrestling business and being in the locker rooms and such. And it's kind of kind of cool because you get a lot of experience before you're even legally allowed to perform. And so now that we have the Wrestle Center here in Memphis, um, like Mondays and Wednesdays, we do our training. And we also have some students that are 15 and 16 years old. And, you know, I, I think the typical wrestling trainer or the typical everyday person say, man, 15, that's too young. Or 16, man, that's too young. But since I did it, I feel like I know the exact path that these kids are, are going to take and, the, you know, the impatience and, you know, the trials and tribulations or whatever the cliches are. Like, I kind of know the path that they're going to go. They're going to be extremely hungry and not be allowed to wrestle yet. And then by the time they do, they're going to be so experienced. It's just a lot of excitement. So being able to say that I've been in the business that long and learn all that stuff and then now have, you know, trainees that are at the camp that are following a very similar path. It's pretty cool looking back on it. But yeah, since since I was a kid, been in the business. So how do, uh, like, how does somebody come and become like a uh what is it intern or like you know like a a kid that comes to the center like do you just walk up there or do you contact somebody how does that work well um so we launched the brand new memphis wrestling on cw30 and we've been able to syndicate and so we actually have folks that drive from little rock arkansas and jonesboro and you know as far out as tupelo mississippi to come to the wrestle center because of the training facilities there's not a whole lot of them and some of the ones that there are, are not exactly, they're not even close to what we're bringing as far as the Wrestle Center is concerned. Um, but yeah, championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. And if you do slash training or just to hit the training button, uh, we have the whole lineup of, you know, how to, how to go about it, and, uh, what the schedule's like. And um, it's the first time in Memphis, I know, that there's been a facility that's just dedicated to professional wrestling training and taping professional wrestling television. So I'm super excited about it. We have, I believe 17 trainees now. Dude, that's and that's within a year's time frame. Yeah. And we, I mean, 
We've got a whole we've got a whole crew of up and coming Memphis wrestlers just chomping at the bit, ready to compete. So it's well, really exciting. What's crazy is that you know as much history that Memphis has for wrestling. You just said this is the first time it's been a training center. What what yeah. what you're providing? And that that's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, I know that back in the day, you know, that everything was done from the studio. So it was studio wrestling. And yeah. They would go out on the road and do that. Um, and there was one time where the WWE developmental was here and they did have a bay that was like almost a warehouse bay that they had a couple of rings in. I don't even know if the place had electricity, to be honest with you. But what we've built out at 3296 Winbrook Drive in Memphis is, is a legit Memphis wrestling area. We have a Topps Barbecue restaurant that's located in the inside so you can eat Topps Barbecue while you watch wrestling. And then when you go through the double doors, it, it was what used to be a warehouse space that we've converted and painted and put it heating and air in and a ring and a set and, you know, all this equipment. And so it's like as legit as it gets. I don't I don't I'm actually 100 percent sure there's not been another center like what we have here in, in the Memphis area. Um, you know, we were talking about the trainees when they walk in, their eyes are big. They're, you know, I'll never forget Jerry Jarrett, the original creator of Memphis wrestling. Uh, coming into the place and just his eyes got big and he's just looking around like, wow, this is really nice. So how did Memphis become known for wrestling? Oh man, it's always, it's always been the hotbed. Yeah. Jerry Jarrett created Memphis wrestling. Of course, Jerry Lawler dove into it. There was some politics and a power struggle and all that, but man, it was the, the legit pro sports team before we had pro sports teams, you know, before the Grizzlies, before the Tigers were, the big deal. Everybody was watching Memphis wrestling. So you had Macho Man, Randy Savage, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, The Rock. Literally every big time professional wrestler has come through Memphis at one point or another. And when the show went away, it was gone away. Like we didn't have Memphis wrestling on television for about 15 years. And so now there's a whole new crop of superstars to bring in, you know, from AEW, WWE, and just, you know, it's uh, and it's a unique time where social media is bigger than ever. Like the last time Memphis wrestling was on television, I don't even think there was a social media, Holy maybe cow. like an AOL or something dial up. Yeah. So just imagine the audience that can see us, you know, we are Memphis wrestling and we are based in Memphis, Tennessee, but people are watching us all over the world just via YouTube and, and social media. And that's never, ever been the case with Memphis wrestling just because of technology. So how did so, you, yeah. How did you and, uh, your lovely Maria, as you say, uh, what, able to purchase uh, Memphis Wrestling? Well, Championship Wrestling for probably four or five years. And that's what the television show that we had syndicated from Hollywood. We called it Championship Wrestling. And if there was a title presenting sponsor, it was presented by, like right now, it's Championship Wrestling presented by CarShield. Uh, so we syndicated that product on CW30 just as a proof of concept that people would watch. And just to show the station that people would watch and that local advertisers and fans would support, you know, we never called it Memphis wrestling because Maria and I, we were just hosting it from a distance and it wasn't filmed in, in Memphis. But the whole idea all along was to prove that concept and then to launch it here in Memphis. Oh, okay. And so that's what we were able to do. Now, we were supposed to do it in 2020 um, at the AutoZone Park where the Redbirds play. It was going to Oh man, that was going to be so great. But then of course COVID postponed it and eventually canceled it. And so then we had to, um, we did it in February, actually on Valentine's day of 2021 is when we had our first Memphis wrestling television. Day. 
So it's been, a, it's, we've, we've been around for a minute, but the actual Memphis wrestling being a hundred percent local has been around for a, a year. Okay. What do you, yeah, we didn't have to purchase it from anybody. So we oh, didn't have, bad. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. We didn't have to go buy it from anybody or anything. It's something we created. And I, I, you know, the, some of the terms and stuff, they're not even, you would think that something that was so successful for so long, there would be a tape library that you could buy or there would be you know likeness and copyrights and all that but there's nothing there's nothing nobody even knows who owns the old memphis wrestling tapes how crazy is that, that that's insane because you know the whole time when i was a kid i'm just a little bit older than you what are you like 35 or something like that 39 how about that oh man man you're getting old bro no i'm 42 man, i'm 42 and like you know <laughs> but like when i used to watch like you know the channel five wrestling with dave brown and uh, God, what's the guy's uh dave brown lance russell lance russell yeah you had and, Corey macklin and Corey macklin was around for a while too yeah you know i just figured that's what you guys bought but you just said nobody owns that shit so that's weird that's crazy to me no it's it's the funniest thing i've actually been looking for the tape library and i i can't understand why wwe doesn't own it and the only only logical explanation that i can think of is that that WWE does not want to like buy something from somebody who allegedly owns something. Mm. So it feels like, I think there was a struggle. Does the, the TV station own it? Does the individual owner of Memphis wrestling, which could be Jerry Jarrett, could be Jerry Lawler, could be, gosh, I don't know. I mean, but it's so weird that there's a tape library that I know that I could make money off of, but I don't, I don't know where to buy it from. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know who might know? I bet you uh, Crazy Carl probably knows. Crazy Carl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he, I love that guy. Man, that guy's the best. I hit him up this morning. I was like, hey, by the way, I'm going to have your boy on uh, this evening if you want to uh, you know, come sit in. Or he's like, man, I would, but you know, it's too short notice. I was like, nah, I figured, man. But no, but like, so Jerry Lawler was the first superstar, right? I mean, from like from our region, right? And because he went with Jared... Uh, excuse me. He went with Jared when they they split, right? There, there's a story that um, that all the old timers tell about where Jerry Jarrett made Jerry Lawler a partner, and he owed him a percentage, and he never really reached that percentage. So Lawler pulled a power play and was going to get all the guys and gals in the locker room to leave with him. And so, and I, and again, anybody that's listening, that's a Memphis story. And there's a lot of details and a lot of different ways that the story goes, but the bottom line was that Lawler um, had a power play and put himself in a position to where he was able to get a better deal and get part of the book, mm. which means he gets to call the shots. And so when he got his way in there, um, you know, Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Lawler were business partners for many, many years. And then, you know, and then it transitioned to where Corey Macklin came into play and Randy Hales and such like that. But um, it's always been very, very cutthroat, no, no matter how you look at it. And it's still cutthroat to this very day, believe it or not. Yeah, I was watching, you know, I didn't watch all of the WrestleMania this past weekend because I was out of town on a work trip. But like, you know, I caught a lot of the good highlights and stuff like that. And it's just, man, like, they're still doing some of the same stuff they were doing 25 years ago when I watched wrestling every single Monday night. And what was it? Nitro was on what WCW yeah. was on Friday or something like that. Right. Or was that? 
SmackDown. Well, they had the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. The Monday Night Wars and the SmackDown moved to, to Fridays. And I think Thunder was on Thursdays. And yeah, but you're right. I mean, you, we, we watched Brock Lesnar back then. Yeah, it's like. We saw Brock Lesnar back, you know, what, 15, 20 years ago when you're talking about, you know, uh, some of the characters, The Undertaker. I know he just retired and all that kind of stuff, but he was still very much a big part of WrestleMania in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Was... Know, the list goes on. Triple H, he opened WrestleMania. We watched him. So, yeah, a lot of the, the Goldberg, we just saw him on pay-per-view not too long ago. Yeah, it's insane yeah, they, that like all the people. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, no, you go ahead. That, I'm just saying. I agree with you. They're, they got to use the guys that we know from back then. I guess. And know? that's that's and that's what I was kind of going at. Like that's how you gain my interest is because that's when I was in love with wrestling. That's when I watched it all the time. That's when my pop and myself and my two brothers, my and then my fucking brothers would beat my ass and you know doing the moves and stuff because I was the younger brother <laughs> even though even though I was the fatter younger brother I was still a fat as shit but they were still like throwing me and slamming me you know and like all that kind of shit but like that's what we used to watch and you know like Wrestlemania number three where uh Hulk Hogan oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan uh lifted up a spotty slam Andre the Giant when he did that I was like he's the strongest man in the world ever you know yep it's like insane, the strength and all that. And then, you know, my question is, what is your favorite um, WrestleMania fight or match? I should oh, say. I'm sorry. Man. man, that one. Okay, so WrestleMania 6 has to be it. It's the ultimate challenge. Toronto Sky Dome, 93,000 people going nuts. <sighs> it was champion versus champion. The immortal Hulk Hogan defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against the ultimate warrior. He was the intercontinental champion. It was the yeah. first time ever that they went toe to toe and the winner got both titles. And I, the whole time my dad would say, uh, yeah, I watched with, with my family too. My dad would say, Oh, Hulk Hogan's just going to Hulk up and beat him. Come on. I'm like, no, no, the warriors got it this time. <laughs> and so when the warrior won, like when he moved out of the way of the, the leg drop one, it was just like, boom, in your face. It was just yeah. a big, huge moment. I'll never forget that. That moment right there made me want to, now don't get me wrong. I'm a diehard Memphis wrestling fan. So I'd watch Lawler Dundee and all that every, every Saturday. And that's where I wanted to be. But that Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior match was like, that's it. I, that's what I got to do. That was it for me. So, yeah, that's my favorite moment, too. I, I love was, it. Was that. And then I was just like, man, this is. And I remember how long that match was. Like, it was insane. It was like yeah. 45 minutes. It was great. And the Ultimate Warrior was wearing my favorite color orange. It, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was in it. <laughs> And it's just like, no, now, like now I'm not trying to say the guys aren't going out there and doing what they were doing, but like the matches definitely aren't as long, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, unless you get on, you know, WrestleMania or whatever, they'll probably give you a little more time, but, um, you know, you do, you have guys like Roman Reigns who is following as the next John Cena and, and those John Cena and Roman Reigns are my two favorites because they stick to their character, whether the people cheer or boo, it doesn't matter. That's just, that's who they are. They're almost like fighters. You know, if you have yeah. a UFC guy that's being booed now, they kind of play it up, but you know, in a legit combat sport, it doesn't matter if the people cheer or boo you, you still have to fight, you know? And so I kind of like that about them. They've got some really good stars that, that are, you know, making some really good money and stuff, but I don't know if we'll ever see what we had from the attitude era. Like you're talking, you know, the Austin, 
uh, you know, you Stone Cold, you had The Rock, Triple H, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, the whole Degeneration de- X, the NWO was on the other side. I mean, it yeah. was just like the who's who of of pro wrestling, you know. And so, some of those characters are still big on TV now. And then they do need to make some bigger ones. They need to make some new ones, you know, like they have done with Roman Reigns. I was talking about Vince McMahon the other day, how, you know, eventually he bought everything and he just, it's just yeah. him again, you know, because then he had a lot for a little while there, he had competition and, you know, we watched WCW and now, you now you have AE, was it AEW, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, you know, that, that's a, that's getting big, man. That's getting really big. I'll tell you, we do our pay-per-view watch parties, every wrestling pay-per-view, whether it's AEW or WWE. We do those at Dave and Buster's in Memphis. It's free. Just walk right in. We're, we also hook you up with a free power card, so you get 10 bucks to play video games. It's all free. So when oh, you come nice. in, um, and the AEW pay-per-views are packed. Now, don't get me wrong. WWE, we had WrestleMania over the weekend, and we, you know, we, we filled the place up. But on an AEW pay-per-view, You'll have the entire wrestling section full. You'll have the bar full and the other side, and they're all watching AEW wrestling because it's it's exciting. It's you get your blood and guts, you get your cuss words, and you know it's not as uh, as Disney like you know. And I use that that term, you know, popcorn and bubblegum like WWE, yeah. which I love, which I love. But this is just an alternate to where instead of paying for that sixty dollar pay per view, you can go out and watch, and the people cheer the TVs. <laughs> it's so cool but they're red hot right now and when we bring in like recently we had evil uno from the dark order on aew and this weekend uh this sunday which is april 10th we have the murder hawk monster lance archer who you know just you know wrestled moxley here not too long ago and uh, he also wrestled hangman adam page the world champion just a couple of weeks back so when we bring aew superstars in Oh my gosh, the fans just love it. I mean, it packs the place out every single time. So they have done a really good job at building some stars, but it's also the shiny new toy. Yeah. You know, that's true. it's still brand new and we're getting these brand new characters. So, um, but it's very cool. It's good for all wrestling because if we're able to book those guys to come in and uh, the people love it and they fill up our building, that's, that's what it's all about. They're red hot though, AEW. What do you think is going to happen? I'll ask you this because, you know, you, you're a wrestler. What do you think is going to happen with the Coliseum? Do you think they're going to break that, uh, demolish oh. that and all the history that's, all the Memphis history that's behind it, especially wrestling? Well, we've worked for probably the last five or six years with Coliseum Coalition, which is a group that was here raising uh, awareness and, and funds and such like that for the uh, Mid-South Coliseum. And, and we actually did save the building. So they're not going to tear the Coliseum down. The term that they used is mothball, which means they're going to do some, uh, and I think they've already done them. They're going to do some, a uh, little bit of work on the inside and outside to make sure that, that the building doesn't get in any worse condition. So basically try to preserve it for later. Um, they're also renovating all of Orange Mound and the fairground area. Yeah. And so when they renovate that, they're not touching the Mid-South Coliseum. So all the nice renderings that you see of the new, uh, you know, the new multi-sports plex uh, that they're that they're doing out there, it makes the Coliseum look all nice and shiny and sparkly. But I don't I don't think they're going to touch it at all. So they're waiting on an investor or somebody to come in and say, hey, we want to do something with this building. And if you go to our YouTube channel, it's YouTube.com slash championship wrestling. There's a playlist that says uh, I think it's special segments. 
And uh, I actually walked and toured the Coliseum with Jerry Lawler, Jerry Calhoun. And then also there's a, a really good one with King Cobra, who is the first ever African-American world champion in Memphis. He pinned Lawler at the Coliseum in December of 89. And we walked the Coliseum and just talked about it. And, you know, about that night and about the locker rooms and all that stuff. So it's very, very cool to see the inside of the Coliseum, but also to hear from these guys that made the Coliseum what it is. And uh, it's actually not in bad shape, man. I mean, that thing is made of concrete. It is not going anywhere. I know that there's some work that needs to be done on the seats because of the the, uh, no compete with FedEx for them. I think they have to bring it under 5,000 seats and I think it's seated 11, but then also the handicap accessibility. So once you take out the seating that's needed to make it, you know, um, handicap accessible, I think you are going to be under 5,000 seats. So, I mean, it could still be a venue here in Memphis, but, but more importantly, you know, even if they make it an amphitheater and gut it or something, you can't tear it down. There's just so much yeah. history in there with with Elvis and wrestling and hockey and the Beatles. And it's just part of Memphis. It's part of downtown. So uh, but yeah, just to, to answer your question in a long form, it's it, the building is saved. They're not going to tear it down, uh, but they're also just not going to do anything with it at this point. Like what kind of money are we talking that they would you think they would need to renovate or make the improvements that are needed? Like you just said, oh, gosh, I wish I knew it. There, there is a figure. There's been a lot of studies and uh, architects have looked at it, I believe. And, and um, I'm not necessarily, there's another guy in the Coliseum coalition that'd be able to answer all those questions, but they did have some people that are looking at it or that had looked at it in the past. I want to say it was Wiseacre at one point. I remember um, this now. Yeah. Wiseacre was taking a look at it to make it a brewery. Yeah. I think, I think so. Um, man, I really think that something could happen. I really do think so. It just, the right person has to come in and, and see it and, and have an idea. Well, you know, like you said, that sports multi-sports plex thing they're building right there in front of it, pretty much on East Parkway. Mm-hmm. Like when people start going to that and more and more people see that building back there, we're like, well, Hey, what's that? We maybe the people that don't know it's there, you know, cause a lot of people yeah. don't know. And like, they see it, they might be like, Oh, you know what? Maybe we can, you know, some investor comes in town or whatever to go to check that out and invested some money in this thing and sees that back there. Well, hey, let's 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 make get some let's get more rich and dump some more money into yeah. this. You know, like hey, you know that could happen. I mean, it's going to be basically a big, you know, kids kids multiplex, and I, I should know the name of it right off the top of my head. My buddy Antonio, who was with the Junior Grizzlies uh, basketball, he's moved over there and he's helping them develop it. And all that. So it's going to be a really good place. A lot of kids are going to be able to be able to play a lot of sports over there. And with that much attention coming to, you know, that close to Liberty Bowl and Mid-South Coliseum yeah. and everything else, I would imagine mm-hmm. that there's going to be, you know, a fresh coat of paint on on a lot of those places around. And, and maybe somebody will say, wow, this is doing so well. Let's do something with the Coliseum. But I will tell you, if they ever did tear it down, I'd be the first one there to, to take a brick with me. Yeah, and if, sure. if they open it back up and let you know let us do live events, then I better be the first wrestling company to be in there because I would love to do that. That would be bucket list for me to run the Coliseum. That'd be legit, dude. But yeah, I see within the next happen. couple of years is definitely going to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think something something's got to happen. It's got to. I would actually like to see you know I, I, the Memphis Hustle. They play at Lander Center. I love Lander Center, so I don't want to say anything bad over there, but. I mean, if you got to get the Coliseum underneath 5,000 seats and you have a, our Memphis Grizzlies developmental team, the Memphis mm-hmm. Hustle, playing in South Haven at Lander Center. And again, I love Lander Center, one of my favorite venues. But 
why can't the Coliseum be the home of the Memphis Hustle? And it can, it just, there's work. a lot of questions and stuff that goes along with that, you know, but um, I think that would be cool. You know, if it's a fairy tale world and pie in the sky dreams or whatever, oh, that'd be very cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be dope. Do you think, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago at the Oscars, uh, Will Smith smacked uh, Chris Rock, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know how they say, some people are saying it's staged or this and that or whatever, you know. Um, I'm equating that smack to um, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman's back, what is it, 81? That was before I was born, brother. Yes, <laughs> it was a long time but ago. But like, you yeah. know, when I was thinking of this the other day, I was like, Damn. They did it back then. This is our generation, or this is not, I'm, I'm old, but like this is the new generation's uh, smack. It is. It totally is. It's 100% of work. I don't care what anybody says. You telling me that somebody can get up and get on stage and not a single person in a headset, not a single person with a script, not a single security, not a single cop, not a single anybody even, even got in the camera view or anything. It was like total calm. And then Chris Rock, he leans forward, he grits his teeth in his eyes, and you can see the open hand slap to the side of the neck, because in the business, we protect the eardrum. Don't hit, that's the number one rule. Do not slap me in the eardrum. Uh, so you slap him as, you know, you slap as hard as you want on it. You can slap your buddy right now on the side of the neck, and it's not going to hurt. Come here, Tony. It sting a little bit. Come here, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, man, um, uh, now Lawler slap on Kaufman. He slapped him right in the face. He yeah. slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> um, Will Smith. Yeah, it was total work. I was like, 100%. why did he smack him like that? Why is his hand like, all like sideways and live? And then I was like, why did he just punch him? Yeah. I, I mean, and then, and then <laughs> afterwards there was no security. There was no cops. There was no nothing. And um, yeah, yeah I just, just think it's a hundred percent work and i'm not mad about it i thought it was very nicely done they blew the internet up (laughs) it's like tony said the other day on the pocket one of the episodes nobody really even knew the oscars were going on until you saw that clip hit the internet a a second later there you go that's exactly it i i and you know i'm not not hating or anything but i didn't know that and then when i saw that that you know chris rock was slapped by will smith they go oh yeah right and then when i watched it i'm Everybody else thinks it's legit, and I feel like, well, am I wrong here? No, that's definitely. And then if you 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 see the the pause, like if you pause it right when it's happening, you know, it was very nicely done. Don't get me wrong. And apparently, nobody in the audience knew, and not many people knew. But for not one single, I'm telling you right now, if somebody jumped in the wrestling ring at the Wrestle Center, and we were unsure about it, or like people are at least going to move towards the ring. You're going to at least be uncertain and move forward. Like, wait a second, is this, and they're going to look around like, should I do, should I jump in there and stop this? There was none of that. It was like, he just got up, slapped the shit out of him and went and sat down. (laughs) Yeah. Even when, (laughs) where does that happen? Yeah. Even when he was walking back, there was nothing, nothing, no commotion, no nothing. Yeah. I definitely think it was a work and people have told me I'm crazy, but I typically think that everything's a work that's on television, uh, at least to a certain extent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what'd you think about logan paul's uh debut he was great i There's loved it certain, he looked pretty good yeah he looked in great shape his gear looked awesome and he put in the work too so you know him uh bad bunny comes out uh he pops out in my mind as well as doing a very good job here lately 
you know, for years and years and years, WWE would have these celebrities that would get in and, you know, like Drew Carey might poke a little fun and, and laugh or whatever and kind of take it halfway serious. And, you know, it was all fun and games and all that stuff. But then when Bad Bunny came out and started hitting these moves and doing a really good job, it was like, whoa. So Logan Paul coming out, man, he killed it. He did great. He did the splits. You know, and then at the end of the match, the Miz turned on him and hit him with his finishing move. So that makes me feel like that the Miz is going to wrestle Logan Paul at SummerSlam. So we'll see a slow build for that. And I don't think I don't think Paul will ever be like a you know everyday WWE superstar, but he's definitely a guy who's extremely famous, has a fan base, and they can bring him in two, three times a year to have a big match. I don't know, you know make some money off of it. It's like you know when I was watching the Real World, and you know, and then the, he became the Miz. Like you didn't think he was going to be this long in the WWE or yeah. or, or be so successful? So yeah, he's one of the best. So yeah, you know whoever's doing his the writing and stuff like that, man. They they I think they're going to make try to maybe do the same thing for Logan Paul. Yeah, they are very good. I mean, when we had the Miz win the championship, the WWE championship, I think it was late last year, early last year, or whatever. I mean, and just to transition it over to Bobby Lashley was brilliant because Miz was going on Dancing with the Stars. So they were able to say that he was WWE champion and all that. They know how to play the marketing and the media and all that. So whatever they do with with Jake or Logan Paul or any of the celebrities for that matter, Johnny Knoxville actually killed it at WrestleMania. That was very entertaining. Yeah. I, was, I was hating that that match was even going to happen, but it was so nicely done and put together that it was entertaining. And so, uh, yeah, the bar is set high, but I think whatever, uh, whatever Logan Paul does, he's going to be good at it. And I know people hate him. I know people hate him and they're supposed to, but the dude is good. He was good in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he wore that five point four. what is it? Five and a half million dollar, uh, yeah. Pokemon card into the thing. <laughs> Man, I would have jumped that little, I would have jumped that little fencing and stole that thing and ran. <laughs> that's uh that's funny it, you know kurt angle he wore his real gold medals out to the ring a couple of times and they got a little bit scratched up so we had to you know get some uh i guess some replicas probably, or whatever yeah. that he could use. yeah i thought that was kind of an interesting story so he might regret that if that card gets in the wrong hands <laughs> yeah he flew to du- he flew to dubai bought the card and then was at wrestlemania the next or two days later or something like that or whatever it was oh my gosh yeah, I was like, damn, man. This, yeah. Tell me you have too much money without telling me you have too much money. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. So, not all, I mean, you do everything, Memphis. Do you, are you, you, um, the Grizzly, you're the MC of the Grizzly, the Redbirds, mm-hmm. the Hustle. You yeah. did, you did it for V3. You're the in, in, in ring announcer. That's how, I, that's how I know you and your wife, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, those were so fun, dude! Those were great, weren't they? Like, yeah. A little little side story is when they asked me to do stuff like that. Like the first time I was ever asked to be a ring announcer or to do voiceovers, I, I kind of laughed at myself. Like, <laughs> I'm really getting over on them. I'm not a <laughs> ring announcer, you know. Like, they're gonna pay me to talk over this footage. Get out of here! They're silly, you know. Like, I yeah. I never really looked at it like that. I was a wrestler, you know. And so when those opportunities pop up. You know, for the first uh, 15 years of my wrestling career, I had blinders on. I only wanted to wrestle. I only wanted to be in WWE. That was it. But then when I left WWE, the other opportunities popped open and I looked at them and, and took advantage of them. So that's when I started emceeing sporting events and 
I mean, the Grizzlies are so much fun. Are you kidding me? They're like the best team in the league right now. We've had some rough years, but it's all paying off because, man, it feels good to be at FedEx Forum, packed, heading into the playoffs. And, man, the team is fun and good, and it's just a blast. And then AutoZone Park, uh, the Redbirds had opening night uh, this week, and I was there on Tuesday and Wednesday. We saw the Jays and, yesterday. Oh, I saw the Jays yeah. yesterday, bro. The Red Jays. Look there. fresh, dog. Look fresh. Hey, at first I didn't wear Jays at the at the baseball games because I thought it wasn't really the crowd for the Jays. I didn't want them to think, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. But then I, I've converted over to wearing the Jays at AutoZone Park. Uh, we host CW30 Network and the Memphis Wrestling, too, so you'll see us on commercials. Like, we did this fun Dynasty commercial that was so dramatic. Or a courtroom. Um, they actually had me do a Superman commercial that was my favorite. So yeah, man, we're just it's the it's the grind. Yeah. You got to have something on the calendar. Or you're unemployed. Yeah, you have <laughs> your calendar is super full year round. It's too full, man. <laughs> the um, well, with the playoffs coming up, and uh, heaven forbid, do I say the finals are coming up? We might get getting a little ahead of ourselves, but with the playoffs coming up and these dates not being solid just yet. You know, we have wrestling events that are scheduled from, you know, now all the way until January of 2023, you know, due to insurance purposes and stuff, we have to schedule everything ahead. So, uh, and then also with baseball and, you know, soccer is going on and all that stuff. And to have these playoff games, gosh, I can't miss one of them. It's going to be so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, lots of cool stuff, man. Lots of stuff on the calendar. I'm excited. Do you do the, do you do the, uh, the football club, 901 FC? Yeah, so I did some work with uh, the Memphis Americans, okay. and then also 901 FC doesn't necessarily have a spot for an MC because it's like only the halftime is basically uh, oh, the okay. only time. But I've done some PA there, and then on their social media channels, I do a, a little segment called Walking on Beal to where I catch up with, with some of the soccer players, and you get to learn about where they're from, what they like about Memphis, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. So tell us about when you did the um... – the wrestling match with uh, Dana White and them. That was so cool, dude. Yeah, Dana White looking for a fight. So if you go on YouTube and look up Dana White looking for a fight, Memphis, you'll see the the thumbnail is actually my Maria on Dana White's back choking him out in the center of the ring. So this thing was crazy. It was just a couple years back uh, on Beale Street, set up a ring. Dana White was in town with uh, Dean Thomas and Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah is one of my faves. Especially, you know, doing the V3 and stuff. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so great. And so yeah. we had a tag team match out there. And one of my favorite parts, uh, over a million people have seen this. It was so fun. I told Matt Sarah in the locker room, I was like, all right, when we get out there, I'm going to take you down. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, I bet I can. <laughs> and I said, well, I bet you can't take me. He said, yes, I will. And I, so, so going back to that WrestleMania thing where celebrities sometimes don't take wrestling as serious because they think, oh, this is phony stuff, whatever. So I was trying to tell Matt, you know, hey, don't beat me up. But when you take me down, I'm going to get out of it. He said, not if I don't want you to. I was like, bet. So I was trying to get him, you know, gas him up a little bit. So he took me down and I'll be honest, I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> but I, I went behind him. I tried to take him down. I was struggling with him almost like it was legit. And when he got me down and put the hooks in, he could have done anything in the world to me. And there's nothing I could have done about it. But it just gave us that realism to let them know, like, hey, man, this is a struggle. We're not just coming in here doing ballet and stuff, you know, and they picked up on it real good. And he even did a cartwheel in the center of the ring. It was a lot of fun. 
But uh, that was that was a hell of an experience, I'll tell you. Dana White could headline WrestleMania anytime he wants. Let's be honest. Yeah. And the one and only time that he deals with professional wrestling is in Memphis, Tennessee. How freaking cool is that? On Beale Street, not a paid show or anything like that. This dude did it for fun. Yeah, it was just kudos it, to Dana White. And I just remember Nick and I were down there when they when they, when they were building the uh, the ring, you know, in the morning or whatever. Yeah, in the morning, and then like I was like, Nick, that's not gonna be ready by in, in five hours. He's like, dude, these are professionals, man. It's not oh, you. Yeah. He's like, it's not you drinking beer while you're building my my cage at V three. <laughs> okay, it's the, it's a little different. <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, yeah, no, we they could put the ring up pretty quick, especially if they're in a in a hurry, if we're uh, in a crunch or whatever. But setting the ring up in the morning time is perfect because then every car that drives by Bill Street or every person mm-hmm. that walks down Bill Street sees the ring and they go, "Wait a second, what's going on? When does this happen?" And they touch it, they want to touch it, take pictures with it, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like one big advertisement, you know, hours and hours and hours before the show even happens. How often do you do stuff on Bill? Oh, I don't think we've um I don't think we've done wrestling matches on Beale Street since then. Um there was some stuff. What's the uh the little amphitheater that's right there? That's not Handy Park, is it? Oh yeah, Handy Park in front of Alfred's. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it is Handy Park. So we we had a, a two shows at Handy Park and and that was these are not my shows. These are shows that were booked um Actually, it was booked by the Lawlers. Uh, their ring didn't show up one time, so I got to pay off just to, you know, drink beer at Tin Roof. And then the other one, uh, we, it was it was pretty good. I'm telling you, the craziest stuff happens in wrestling. What do you mean the ring didn't show up? The ring didn't show up. They had this. This they had it all set up. Like, I, it's it's crazy to even say that, but uh, Kevin Lawler and Jerry Lawler had a show set up out there, and the ring did not show up. That's so crazy. They just, so of course I'm like, wow, I was here. Can I get my so money? <laughs> yeah. So I got, I actually got paid and I drank beer across the street with friends. It was so cool. <laughs> now, if I was the promoter of that show, I would have been embarrassed as all get out. Did the ring didn't show up. Oh my gosh. Anyway, you know, that almost happened to Nick one time. Well, not the cage, but like the mat was like four days delayed coming from oh. wh- wherever they make it in California or something like that. Cause he had gotten the new mat. And um, it wasn't like the vinyl one. It was like the canvas one, you know? So once the blood gets on it, it doesn't come out kind of, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was like three days delayed. Now, it's like the day before. We're building the cage, and it's still not there. That mat shows up at like 9 o'clock in the morning at, Mingle, at Minglewood. <sighs> I mean, we're calling all kinds of people, like, you know, friends that might know somebody on the shipping part of FedEx that could help or, you know, or, or maybe it was UPS. I was like, I don't know anybody fucking works that can help us with that. They- yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one there. I mean, we're kind of going through that stuff every time we order a, a new title belt or, you know, make a change on a title belt and it's coming in. Or, you know, I think we ordered um, brand new ring canvases and for some reason I don't even want to mention the company by name because I love them, but I, I had to, I had to ask them, Hey man, how many thousands of dollars do I have to spend with you before you guys like put a little attention on this? And so finally, you know, of course I had to post on social media and then they were like, okay, we, we hear you now. All right. Yeah. Well, gosh, I, you know, 
There's no telling. But yeah, we've gone through some of those things where we're just waiting on this one piece. And if it's not there, oh, it's going to kill the whole show. I think we were waiting on a ring mat just like you guys at one <laughs> point. We had this black vinyl mat and I hated it. It was such an eyesore. It's more like a training mat. Um, and we were waiting on the other one. And it did make it in time, thank goodness. But Well, you know, the thing with using the vinyl mats over and over, you when you when you store it, sometimes the wrinkles over time don't come out, you know? Yeah. And even no matter how tight we tighten on the on the on the on the metal, like it just sometimes doesn't pull and it looks really bad on TV. On TV it yeah. looks like it has like a little what is the word um like it's come up undone, like your shoelace come undone, you know, like so it's like oh. just poking up like it, it and it he just hated when it stuff didn't look right, especially when it was on um what is the Tony, what is the one called? It's not UFC Fight Pass, but like it's like it's such with a V or something. It's like a green logo. I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. It was it was like a different like they paid Nick to have his fights on the his their pay per view. You know, like yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the yeah, name of it. Yeah, and uh, it just couldn't. It just it didn't look right because it. And then that's the one he's like, "Fuck, fuck, vinyl. We're going straight to uh, canvas. Moving on, moving forward." Yeah, it looks better. Canvas yeah. always looks better. So what do you think? What do you think about people that say what you do is fake? Well, it's well, it's not. I mean, well, yeah, it's a television program. It's a television program. I think anybody that looks at pro wrestling says, "Oh, that's fake." It's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the same people that watch Game of Thrones and think it's yeah. They're the same people that that you know. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's all television. It's all entertainment. I think guys get get a little perturbed at the word fake because we've all been knocked for a loop. You know, we've we've all been concussed. We've you know, the I've got debris in my C3 and C4 vertebrae that's causing numbness and and my pinky and ring finger on my right my right arm um, just a little bit. So I know that at some point, if it gets worse, that's, I don't take a lot of bumps anymore. So if it gets worse, I have to get cut off. Okay. So, you know, like other guys have been in much worse situations. They've blown out knees, they've broken necks. I mean, look at, look at Paige, Stone Cold, Lita, Edge. Oh gosh, the list goes on and on at these folks that have broken their necks and have had, you know, fusions and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why people get a little upset about the word fake. Yeah. I don't, I, I think that when somebody calls something that you do fake, there's a million different words that you could use other than fake. It's kind of a negative connotation. Right. It's not kind of, it definitely is a negative connotation. So instead of saying, oh, what you guys do is fake, they should say, oh man, what you guys do is really entertaining. Even if you're not a wrestling fan and you show up at the Wrestle Center to watch live Memphis wrestling, you will be impressed. There's no way that you can't be. You've got a capacity crowd that's going crazy. You have these athletes that are in the ring that look great and they're doing things that you can't do. And if you think you can, I promise you come to 3296 <laughs> Winbrook drive and we can try it. Cause it's a lot harder than it looks. I can't tell you how many, how many kids come to me and say, man, I thought I'd be really good at this. It's humbling. It's humbling. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to say, Hey, what you guys do is fake. What you guys do is entertaining. It takes a lot of skill and it's de- definitely like daredevil. Like, if you've ever stood on the top rope, oh my gosh, like that puts it into a whole different perspective. You are really, really high up there. You're going to jump off on top of somebody. That's crazy. So yeah, I mean, some of the guys get, get mad. I don't think I'd ever throw any, 
you know, throw any bows or something over it, but you know, but it's just one of those things like, yeah, you, that's fine. You think it's fake. That's fine. Why don't you come? Like you just said, come, come to our training facility. Let me throw you against that rope. Let me pick you up and body slam you into the, into the mat. Yep. Maybe the proper thing is that it's worked. (laughs) It's worked. Yeah. Like you, you guys are big on MMA. Like if I put you in a headlock and I put my, my forearm bone across the bridge of your eyebrow, and I squeeze just a little bit tighter, it's going to hurt like hell. Or if I put my forearm into the side of your jaw and apply the headlock like that, you will tap out. Like a headlock is a legit thing. Now, I know in pro wrestling, you work it and it's a transition hold and all that kind of stuff. But, but any of the holds that you see us apply in professional wrestling, they are legit holds. Yeah, They will tap somebody out. But in the entertainment aspect of it, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You know, if it was like the UFC and we tap somebody out in 20 seconds, it would, wouldn't be any fun. It wouldn't be an entertaining part of it. So the entertainment part comes, we're working the holds, you know? Yeah. If I was a pro wrestler, which I'm clearly not just by looking at me, but like I would be <laughs> pissed off and be like, oh man, that's, I watched you the other day on, on channel, uh, on CW 30. That's, that's bullshit. All that was fake. I would get really mad. I'd probably try to fight the guy. Or or a little kid. Well, whatever. I think it says more about the person talking shit than the actual people that enjoy watching. Because, like, man, I've put all yeah. my energy and life into this. Like, I'm training for this. I do this for a living. Or, you know, like. Like he said, it's just entertainment. I and mean, people watch soap operas. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We we bite back a little bit on social media sometimes because these people, like, if you post a video, there's, there's somebody, this random person will say, fake. Mm. Or so fake or something like that. It's like, first of all, why did you take the time to comment something negative? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand when people do that. And second of all, Hey buddy, thank you so much for educating us. What was your <laughs> first guess? <laughs> I, I mean, when people come up and ask me sometimes and they say, is wrestling fake? Just as a joke to myself, I'll say, well, gee, any other sport, like you throw somebody off the ropes and they come back to you. It's like a cartoon. If I threw you into the, are you really going to come back? Yeah. <laughs> and I know I'm kind of like, you know, crapping my, on the own thing, but like, honestly, if somebody's asking if it's, if it's a legitimate com- combat sport, the first dead giveaway is throwing somebody off the ropes. Isn't it? Yeah. If you think about it, it really is like, that's what you see on cartoons. They'll throw you and you come back. How um, much training does it take Like when they throw people into the tables and stuff like that? How often are y'all practicing those moves? You don't practice those. Okay. Those are just, yeah, those just happen. Well, you know, you may. Right you may <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. oh, hey, by the way, um, yeah. <laughs> Dustin's like, hey, guys, change change of plans for right now. You're going to actually go to the table instead of you. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Sounds well, fun. Now, there will be, <laughs> yeah, there will be a little discussion like, okay, so we need to put the table here. You need to be careful there. And I've would recommend hitting here or whatnot. I mean, you should be a fly on the wall when, when, you know, Grizz dies off these balconies at FedEx form and goes through the tables. They, they kind of rely on me a little bit as being the voice of reason. Like they don't want Grizz to dive off these things, but all right, if he's going to do it, what's the safest way that we can do it. And so we'll strategize these things and we'll mm-hmm. say, okay, you know, whether it's the stagehands that are helping or the actual talent or where he's going to jump, where he should land or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily tell them how to do it or anything, but it's all strategized. Like, well, if you do this, this could happen, do that. blah blah. blah. So we are trying to be as safe as possible, but the actual demonstration of, 
you know, practicing it and jumping through or whatever, that doesn't happen. It's kind of like, all right, we'll see what happens in the moment. <laughs> Same thing. Like if you see somebody get slammed through a table on wrestling, you know, we, we strategize on how it's going to go, but the actual like execution is what you see right there. That's one and done. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely performance art that y'all are doing because like, just look at any type of thing on YouTube or Instagram, uh, people at tailgates where they're trying to slam somebody through a table and it doesn't go very well. Yeah. Oh my Have God. you seen Buffalo the one that bills. just, Oh, 100% my, my bills mafia, dude. I saw one couple like, this last season. And why is that a thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, bills mafia is fucking nuts. Y'all they're insane. I, I think there's, I don't know if it's a 30 for 30, but like, there's an ESPN thing about just them. You know, I think it's like a short or something they made. Yeah, dude, they are the craziest and wildest fans. And I love the, the chiefs fans, you know, mm-hmm. but dude, these guys, and ladies and children are out there in the in the yeah. you know, it's freezing outside and you know they're running around tailgating in negative degree weather and like getting drunk having fun cooking out and then all of a sudden you'll see somebody put a table out and the, everyone's just going wild and then you come yeah well I saw one this one guy felt he she jumped and. The table didn't break. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I see a lot of those, <laughs> dude. And he time. and he just let, and you think he like broke his back because like, I mean yeah. everybody, oh, like yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And everyone just goes. I mean, it's instant quiet, and dude just like out, like he's you know because he, he yeah, I was like, uh, is he all right? Because you know if he if he's dead, they ain't gonna lose the tailgate no more. You know, come on, get up, man. You know, like it's like damn, man. Like yeah, you have to be able to do what you're trying to do safely. What do you think about uh, backyard wrestling? Um, I think there's a couple of different variations of backyard wrestling. Because I did backyard wrestling like on the trampoline with my buddies. And if those videos ever resurface, then I'm going to be super embarrassed. <laughs> um, Don't write that down. Yeah, backyard man. wrestling doesn't start. Uh, now, there, there's some backyard wrestling where you see them really you know, beat each other up. Whether they're using you know, the chairs, the... Um, gosh the barbed wire and stuff they do some really dumb stuff but um you know as far as being playful and you know being a fan and all that kind of stuff and not many of them do it safely so i say don't don't try it at home it's probably not a good idea but i did it i did i did it and we recorded it we wrote out storylines and you know we had fun i went to one what was that place it was in buccaneer the buccaneer yeah the buccaneer and uh, they were like fun. just asking people to get stuff out of their car. Like my buddy had one of those things. Like you put Wait your money a in, second. The- in Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is oh like over this is, ten years ago. Yeah, this is a long time ago. So this, and then you know, a few years ago, the Buccaneer burned down. Yeah. So like, so yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, I went to it, and they're like, "Hey, do you have anything in your car?" Like my buddy had like the thing you go to the bank that shoots up the thing. The he little- like stole that somehow. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, the drive-thru, the little yeah. poof, the little power. Yeah, it was Jerry Dunaway. So, like, he gave them that. And then they had, like, uh, some, like, rebar or something like that they used. And then they were, like, cutting themselves and hitting themselves with it. And I was like, these dudes are fucking wild, man. Yeah, I think they've got, uh, like, I know wrestlers like that that just are into that type of stuff. There's other things. It's not just wrestling. There's other things that they, um. I don't know, you know, that they're into outside of the business and they yeah. bring it into the business. They either like cutting themselves or like the pain or, you know, just into some freaky stuff. I don't. It was definitely I'm, entertaining, I'm but I don't think I want to watch it all the time. No. And I think that type of stuff does put a, you know, they, they talk about 
you know, when you turn on the news and there's something about wrestling on the news, it's usually somebody died young or, mm. you know, there was the Benoit story that really hurt professional wrestling or dare I say when Jerry Lawler gets in trouble and stuff and it's on the news, it's like, ah, man, it really, it, it hurts all of wrestling. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just hurt that particular individual because especially in Memphis, if something happens, you know, there's only one company in Memphis. Mm. Really, I mean, if you think about the television company, there's only one TV show in Memphis, and that's ours. So any negative publicity is like, oh, is it those guys? You know, like when you hear the term, the average person, when they hear wrestling, they think WWE. Right? Yeah, like, like it's UFC. Like, like UFC is, yeah, like yeah. generic word. UFC, like MMA is UFC. Yeah. yeah, Coke. You're exactly right. So um, I'm not exactly sure where we were going with that, but um, any any news that involves uh, wrestling. Oh, the, uh, the cutting up and all that stuff. Sometimes those guys will make the news or there's tapes or you'll see stuff on the internet. And to me, it's just like, ugh, okay. Yeah. That's not, not good for the business, but now we never did that. We never bled. And if we did, we had ketchup or something, you know, um, we never did anything too, too crazy. We were on a trampoline for crying out loud. <laughs> the backyard wrestling has really stepped up their game in, in the uh, last couple of years, I guess. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, like you just saying, it's not good for business. It's not good for anybody because you see a kid that gets on YouTube and watches that and say, mom, can we go to this wrestling thing? Okay, sure. And then all of a sudden she sees it on, on, on channel five, like channel 13 showed a story about somebody getting hurt or something. She's like, oh, you're not going to that. Nah, that's what yeah. you're going. No, you're not going, you know, like, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we're um, even when we have uh, the students come in and they're you know, brand new, uh, sometimes the first you know couple of weeks, they won't even get in the ring. Just depending on who they are and their skill set and stuff, they might, might not even get in the ring just because you're teaching them wrestling. You're locking up, you're teaching them holds and different uh, maneuvers and stuff before you ever even take a bump, you know, and, and taking the bumps in the ring hurts. So anybody that says it's fake, please take a bump. Um and when you take multiple, multiple bumps, you become sore. And then eventually you kind of become used to it. And those people that can get through that, you know, and get to the other side of that, you know, just like training in MMA, if you can make it through, then you can, you can get in the ring. You can, you can do your thing. So it's all safety is the most important. What was your Absolutely. first match? My first match, I believe was in Blyville, Arkansas against Jet Logan, who I trained with. And it was supposed to be a 10 minute draw, a 10 or 15, probably 10 minute draw. And instead um, it didn't go quite as planned and I ended up winning. So I won my first match. <laughs> Were you supposed to lose? I mean, that's supposed to be a draw. So, oh, a draw. Oh, my bad. Yeah, a 10 minute draw, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it was the stupidest thing. They were going to like have, have me go like, I'm going to win it. And then one, two, the bell rings and the time is out or something. Well, of course, you know, nobody knew any of that stuff. So he's kind of one, two, three. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I <won my> first <laughs> are you still going to, do you ever, do you ever get back in the ring? Yeah, I think I wrestled one match last year. Um, I do, I do some of the training at the, at the wrestle center. I'm staying in shape. I'm actually training right now. Like I'm going to do a match. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, even though there's nothing scheduled just yet, but I, I tell everybody that if, you know, we have about a hundred seats at the wrestle center for the television audience. If I knew that I could sell every single one of those seats, every time I wrestled, I would wrestle every time. Right. That only makes yeah, sense. Right. Um, 
But at this point, I feel like that it's important to build the guys and girls that we have on the show. And for me to be at the desk and to host it and to be 100% behind pushing them, you know, so like I've had people say, well, if, if you're the boss, like, why aren't you wrestling? Why don't you win the title? Like, oh, yeah, so you guys can all call me Triple H or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> but but seriously, like, there is a part of me that that's, wow, we've got a television product here, and we can do whatever we want on it. Like, so all the all the guys and, and gals that, you know, for instance, the gun show Brett Michaels, he's been wrestling 20 years. This is his first time being on TV. He's our top guy. He's the champ. He looks phenomenal, and he's a bad dude, too. You know, like I think it's more important getting those guys over than to than to have me back in the ring. But but also, it's all depends on what the people want. But I'm not done. I'm not done by a long shot. We're gonna do a Facebook. Well, poll. I wouldn't say long shot. I, I'm not done. I don't know how many more I got, but I'm not done. You'll see me back in the ring. So, how does the storyline go? Like, how do y'all work that out? Generally, do you, do, you, do you write them? Yeah, yeah, we write them. You and I, we could all be talking right here and something that you say will spark something and go, oh, wow, we could do that on TV. It might even be like, it might even be something that's so like, it doesn't, they don't even correlate. But for some reason in my mind, it made it spark and go, wait a minute, what if we did this? You know, um, Vince McMahon recently did a rare interview with Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show. It was so good. And he's so true. He says that sometimes creative just falls in your lap. And when it does, kind of take the creative that you have and just sit it to the side and say, all right, we're going to do this after. Cause this one fell in our lap. It's easy and it's good. And then when that one's done, then we'll save this. So that's, that's the thing about you always have to have something next. We have brand new television product, brand new content, 52 weeks a year. We have 58 minutes and 30 seconds to fill. We've got a roster of probably 50 or 60 guys and girls that are all really good. Who gets those minutes? Mm. The minutes are so important. If you have a one-minute promo on a one-hour television show, you've got to use every single second of that to let that audience know whatever it is that you want to know, whether they're going to like you or not like you. So there's only so much time. The show is a lot harder to write than what you think. Um, but we, we sit down and, and we write it, and sometimes we rewrite it three times. Um, I'm working on the formats for... Sunday show. It's a big TV taping where Lance Archer's coming in to go against the gun show and the titles on the line. So the whole story is, man, if, if Archer wins the title, does he take it to AEW? It, the gun show, he's the, he's the man at Memphis wrestling. Is he going to let some outsider come and take the title from him? There's so many. So it's like building this, this interest. And so now we have to write three episodes for Sunday of how we're going to tell that story the best it's going to come across to the thousands of people that are going to be watching on television. It's a lot of fun, but I mean, it's really tedious because all the wrestlers on the program, they're my favorite wrestlers. They really are. And sometimes they laugh like, ah, you tell you, you told so-and-so that, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, The people that are on my show are my favorite wrestlers and to have them and to know them. And, and most of them I know in 15, 20 years, we started together and all that stuff. There's a certain trust, man. You could just like, I can feel it out there when I'm talking on the mic and all that kind of stuff and just how fluid it all is. So it's really fun, but it does pose a problem with so many great people. Like who gets that TV time? You know, where does the stories go? 
Do uh, do some of the do, do people ever get mad that they don't have more time? Yeah, oh. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they people don't like to lose. Um, you know, they don't want to lose. My my whole thing though is all right, Mister So and So or Mrs. So and So. You don't like to lose. If you were on Seinfeld or Friends or one of these television shows, would you ever go to the writer and say my character doesn't do that? No, they won't. Like, <laughs> no, they would never do that. Why would you do that in wrestling? It makes no sense. Why? So, I mean, you have you have a little bit of that, you know, where uh, people want to be on the show more. That's normal. People like if I'm only on two shows out of three, I want to be on all three. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, um, not wanting to do something because you're quote-unquote character wouldn't do it well it's our show and we think your character would <laughs> so, <laughs> right and didn't you pretty <laughs> you know much yeah didn't you pretty much create their persona their character for some of them not not, not uh, all of them um not all of them so like for instance the gun show brett michaels right he was doing um a super kick and he had some different things he was doing out in boonville mississippi and so he has the biggest arms probably in the whole city of Memphis. And so I'm like, well, man, you got the biggest arms I've ever seen. Like, why are you not putting people away with that? And so then we created the gun show Larry, you know, um, precious, precious was a character, very flamboyant wore fishnets and pink and stockings and all this stuff. And, you know, we changed him into being Martin and the people hate it. They chant precious at him because they want precious back. And I'm like, that's the point. Now you're Martin. Don't call me precious. And the whole building chants precious. So like there's things that we are able to take these characters and just change it just a little bit. And, and some, I feel like we sometimes make more times than not make it better than what it was. But I've also had conversations with guys with like, Hey, like, look guys, I know you think it's hokey. By the way, we do a lot of ho hokey stuff on Memphis wrestling. You might think it's hokey. And if it doesn't work, I promise you we'll change it and I'll make it up for you. You know, there was a there was a situation where um, I'll actually tell you it's country rock. There's a tag team that one of them is a rock and roller and one of them is a country music. Guy. And they thought like we were doing this music video like old school. And they you know, were just they never said anything, but I could just get the feeling that they weren't into it. I was like, guys, trust me. And if it doesn't work, we'll change it and do something that does. I promise. I'm like, all right. And they went all in, and now the people love them. People cheer for them. They, um, I can't give you any spoilers, but they actually did a a spot with one of the big superstars that we brought in here recently. So uh, we, we do create some of the characters and then some of them, we just kind of tweak and, you know, whatever fits the television show or the story that we're trying to tell. This dude is you. This dude is fucking jacked, man. The gun show, Brett Michaels. Yeah. He's the Memphis heritage champion. Yeah. I'm looking at his yep. Instagram and like he last year was his like biggest year. Like he won everything. Moment of yep. the year, match of the year, wrestler of the year. What is the Cobra Cup? Cobra Cup is a tournament uh, that we created in, um, like, for the tra tradition and heritage of King Cobra, who is our head mm. head coach over at the training center. So he's our legend there at Memphis Wrestling. So uh, we did the Cobra Cup, and the first year Brett won it, and Alan Steele jumped him and smashed the cup. So this year was the second year of the Cobra Cup, and we added power to it. So the Cobra Cup is very much like money in the bank in WWE, where you can trade your cup in anytime, any place for a championship opportunity. Oh, that's and so legit. right now we've 
Yeah. So now, now Mike Anthony won the cup. Mike Anthony is the arch nemesis of gun show, Brett Michaels. And so he's just lurking with the cup and anytime he wants, he could trade it in and try to steal that title off of Brett, but he hasn't done it yet. So it builds for some really good stories. I like having the little, the, you know, the trophy and there's always like, you know, like almost like a King of the ring or a money in the bank is kind of what the, uh, the Cobra cup is, but he won that. Uh, the other awards that you said that he won like match of the year, moment of the year and all that stuff. He, um, that was fan voted. So the van, the fans of Memphis wrestling that watched the program, they voted for those. So to me, that's much more important than a company just bestowing something on somebody. You actually had the fans that watched the product voted for him to win those awards. So what makes somebody a good heel? When the people just don't like them. I mean, is it like you see something in the person behind the scenes? You're like, okay, this will work well with you. Or is it how the crowd reacts to them? Yeah, it's actually kind of weird to where the nicest guys in real life Mm -hmm. are the best heels. And the mean guys in the locker room are the best good guys. Mm. Does that make any sense to you at all? But that's kind of how it's been. (laughs) You know, it's kind of how it. Well, because I heard like, wasn't the rock originally? He was like a nice character. Wasn't he like Rocky or something? Or what? Yeah, Rocky Maivia, and they hated him. <laughs> <laughs> they would they would chant they would chant at him, "Die, Rocky, die!" That's so crazy. Because his dad yeah. was a big wrestler, right? Isn't that correct? Yes, he was very, very, very big in WWF, and then also um, he was actually one of the I think the first African American tag team champions with uh, Tony Atlas. So that was Rocky Rocky Soulman Johnson. I worked with him in Memphis wrestling. Really, really nice guy, but yeah, he had a lot of uh, a lot of history in WWF and also um, with Memphis too. And so that's when they transitioned the Rock to our Rocky to the Rock. Once people yes. were booing him or whatever, it actually took him a little while. I think they should have done it sooner, but they were really just trying to get him get him cheered because he had a really good look. You know, he's a good looking guy and in good shape, but now he's like even better looking and in even better shape, I guess. Right. That guy the rock. Is so charismatic, man, man, like Jeez. I, I follow him on Instagram and sometimes I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll see his, like his, like his leg workout or whatever he just posted or something like that. It's like, Jesus, man, can you, how, how big are you going to get? Yeah. He looks awesome, man. Everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah, it really does. And his recent, uh, young rock episode features Memphis wrestling. So anybody listening, you know, um, you can watch it on Peacock and I think, I think you could actually watch it on demand pretty much anywhere now, uh, young rock, but the, the latest, you know, features a lot of characters from Memphis wrestling. I think Jeff Jarrett, uh, downtown Bruno. And of course, these are people that are playing the roles of these characters, but you can see the old, uh, championship wrestling Alliance, the CWA wrestling set. It looks identical. So very cool stuff. I just only wish that when they were filming all this stuff, I know that uh, I'm not as big of a star as the rock is or anything, you should but be. it would have been cool. It would have been cool for, you know, our, the new Memphis wrestling to at least have some sort of, I don't know. I mean, they wouldn't need us for anything, but like a I shout out, me, like, a, like a, well, not even a shout out, just, a, um, I don't know selfishly i would like to be a part of it somehow i guess so that's all for them to for them to have such a you know 
highly viewed television program with the most famous action movie star in the world, you know, and they're kind of given a perception of what Memphis wrestling was. And then now we have what, what Memphis wrestling is, you know, I, I know that there would never be in a million years that they would do anything with us, but it would be super cool if the rock acknowledged it. Oh, you know, Memphis wrestling is still going or, or whatever. I got you. Don't worry, me and the Rocket Boys. I'll send him a DM on my Instagram. Let him know, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, you know what, it. man? Fuck. Yeah. Hey, Rock, you need to hit my boy Dustin Star up, okay? There hey. you go. Hey, <laughs> he's putting down the universe, man, so maybe it will happen. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Well, Dustin, I just, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I know how precious your time is, especially with everything you always have going on. And, Let me ask you uh, a question real quick. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Tony. My bad. Mm-hmm. So... I saw a clip a long time ago and it was this guy and he was in, I guess he was at like a thirties or forties or something. And he was, it was at like a local wrestling show and he was talking about this wrestler. I can't think of his name, but he's like, it's still real to me. Damn it. And like, he got really emotional oh. about that. You know, the clip I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. D- like how does that make you feel that your product impacts adults and children alike? Ooh, nice. I think his name is Dave and I met him in Atlanta at center stage um, for championship wrestling from Atlanta. And he was very familiar with, with Memphis wrestling. He was very familiar with me, came right up and shook my hand and congratulated me on bringing Memphis wrestling back. And he wants to come and see a show and all this stuff. So it was like, to me, he was so viral that it was almost like meeting a celebrity. Mm. Because the it's still real to me, damn it. Yeah. I mean, that was played everywhere. But, you know, even more than that, if you talk to kids, they will tell you, you know, how much they love it. And not just, just wrestling and fighting, but like how a wrestler made them feel, you know, or, you know, a fist bump or when this match happened. And it's just, to me, like it, the people really get into it so much and, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like that guy that kind of missed the old school where it was so real that you came out of different locker rooms and you couldn't hang out with each other because one was a good guy and one was a bad guy and all that Mm. stuff. And nowadays you can go on WWE network and watch two guys put a match together, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You you really have opened up the business to show them all of our cards, which it's just a different day and age. That's what people want to see is what they're not supposed to see. But um, being able to connect with the people is the most important thing about pro wrestling it's not the moves it's not punching and kicking it's none of that stuff it's not even the one two three it's it's connecting with the fans whether they like you or they don't like you you know and to have a grown-ass man crying on a stage full of people about how real it is to him i mean that's that's a great wrestling fan right there yeah it really is and and watching some of the hall of fame speeches over the weekend you know i would have uh, goosebumps or tear up a little bit because Shad, Shad was one of my buddies from WWE that uh, that was, he was given the Warrior Award for saving his son. He's a hero, man. Um, Scott Steiner, I thought, really killed his promo on the, on the, um, uh, on the Hall of Fame speech. And so, like, even The Undertaker, given his speech, he had people crying. So, you know, to, to diehard wrestling fans the sport will make you cry like it will like a diehard NFL fan, man. Your, your team almost made it to the Super Bowl and they yeah. lost oh, and you shed a couple of tears. It, it just is. And people think it's crazy, but you do get that, that, 
you know, mentally invested into a, a character or a program. I love it. I think it's you, great. You know, it's kind of like you just said with The Rock and Triple H and them. I'm, I'm sorry, not The Rock, but uh, Triple H and Undertaker. It's like they're ending their careers in the ring. You know, it's kind of like that but now they're opening another door you know for and then we just it's like it's sad you know it's it's really sad cuz man we grew up watching these people man you know it's like well it's like damn i remember when ricky the dragon steamboat like he retired he didn't tell anybody you know i i the internet wasn't around at that point it just he just disappeared and i remember me and my dad thinking like where's ricky steamboat I, he's not in wwe he's not in wcw what happened to him where is he there was no internet and stuff you yeah. know this was they just they just were gone and so now it's kind of cool that every now and then you get a glimpse of you know uh sean michaels or you know uh jamie noble i see a lot of hurricane helms like being backstage producers and stuff so there used to be nothing for pro wrestlers once they were done competing or performing in the ring and now you know big shout out to wwe for making this popular but but now you've got you know the old time guys and some of our favorites growing up or whatever, they're actually helping produce these matches backstage, you know, and they are able to help the talent, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, I mean, this might sound crazy, but just having somebody ride with you, like on the road, teaching a young superstar, how to uh, live on the road, you know, how to pack, how to save money, the rental cars, all that stuff. There is a science (laughs) to living on the road. You know, if it's 300, what is it? 250 days out of the year you're on the road oh my gosh you definitely have to learn the easy way to do things so you know those guys are around to help with matches they're helping with backstage think of all the money that uh these wrestlers blew throughout the years you know that have nothing now these yeah. old-time wrestlers well, a lot of these guys now they're saving their money you know so the wrestlers are getting smarter you know uh, it, it's 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 Good. cool that they're around. They're giving they're giving these guys jobs uh, for life, pretty much. And I think that's cool. It's kind of like the NFL, you know, um, with uh, what's like when somebody retires, they either go in the booth or they work for the NFL yeah. doing something. They or they like you know a lot of players are. There's a thing in the NFL where you have to go through a money management course as a rookie. Yes, and yes. you and you have to you have to invest so much of your money like it's just part of or you can't sign your rookie deal it just that's just how it is and that's why you don't blow through your whatever 10 mil or 20 million or whatever it is you know your first three years it's not you have money left and then if you succeed and you get that second deal then you know you're kind of on your own but by then you usually have learned and like you said the younger generation wrestlers are now also saving their money, and so are the NFL and basketball and NHL and all those young players because they know they're not going to play forever. And they see, yeah. they see, you know, in the locker room or you know backstage or whatever, they see the guys that came before them not have shit, and they don't want to end yeah. up like that. Like you know, Gronk and Megatron, they didn't, and Marshawn Lynch, they didn't spend any. They didn't spend a single penny of their football salary while they played. They they, they spent all their money as endorsements. And you know, if you're Gronk and you Michelle Lynch, you you getting you getting a bunch of shit for free. You know, like when you go places. Oh yeah. Hey, come to my restaurant when you're in town, and you and your friends and you and your, whoever can eat for free. Just you just gotta post that you're here. Okay. I'll take care of you. Twenty thousand dollars yep. later. I uh, kind of wish I didn't do that. I have, <laughs> I have two last questions for you before we let you go. One okay. is, 
how did it become wrestling? Like that, like how people say it instead of wrestling. That is what it's becoming again. No, no, I'm saying the pronunciation. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's just my, uh, my bad. Become a thing. That's the southern. That's just the southern, um, southern accent or the southern slang. And some people say it as an underhanded thing, where they say, "What are you doing? You doing wrestling?" Oh, just, I got you. So they're just like, being underhanded. So, so for the most part, I don't really like the term wrestling, but mm. it's only because people say. Oh, I guess you're into that wrestling. They use it kind of like as an underhanded term. I got you. Now, if that's just the way you're talking, like, man, I love wrestling. <laughs> I love wrestling too, brother. Yeah. I love it. But but when people try to get funny with it and act like, you know, that in the South, it's a bunch of hillbillies and farmland and wrestling, you know, whatever. Get out of here with that stuff, man. You don't know nothing about Memphis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then my other thing is I've noticed, because I love MMA, and I noticed that, like, Guys like Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen, uh, even Colby Covington now are pretty much taking like stuff from like Ric Flair and all those guys, which a lot of people say Conor McGregor took it from Floyd. But I would assume Floyd took it from uh, Ric Flair by like a flashiness. Absolutely. So so it feels like at the early stages of UFC and MMA. It wanted to be so legit, like we are not wrestling, we're not fake, we're so real that that this is like they would be stonewalled, you mm-hmm. know. And then slowly but surely, guys started talking trash. You know, I remember when Brock started talking trash, and Chael Sonnen, of course, was one of the best talking trash. And then, of course, Connor. You know, I'm kind of on the fence about Connor. He's a big star, I like him, but then also it's kind of like ah, sometimes it's a little too much. Yeah, but. You know, when they started talking trash in the cage after the fights and you had the other guy in the ring in street or in the cage in street clothes cutting a promo about what he's going to do next. It was like, okay, they finally bought into this wrestling thing. But I really and truly think that for so long it was like we can't do anything that wrestling does because then they'll think we're fake. You know, go back to the fake thing. They'll think. You know, if we're talking trash and cutting these promos like it's WrestleMania, they're going to think, oh, well, this is just a big stage entertainment thing like WWE. I think that's what most people kind of felt. But now the, it's out the window, dude. All these dudes are talking trash now. And yeah, you're right. Sells, I mean, man. It's even like at it the is. weigh-ins, you know, like uh, or yep. the face-offs and stuff. Like they're you know, like, you know, at wrestling, in wrestling, that's that's part of the story, you know. Mm-hmm. But like and then like you just said, the UFC, that fighters are doing it. Because that's what people want to see. They just don't want to see two dudes staring at each other with their fist up. You know, like that's boring. Yeah. We want to, even though if you if you're playing or whatever, just do it. That's I want I want to see that. Well, yeah. I think some people do it well. Like I think Connor and Chael did it well. I think Colby's kind of like hacky with some of the stuff that he says sometimes. But uh, Connor is just so sharp. Yeah, you know, if 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 somebody says something, he's just real quick to to just slay them. Like, who the fuck are you? you know, <laughs> and then, you know, just him saying that and everybody pops. Yeah. What is the other guy going to say? Exactly. The other guy is literally dead in the water. There's nothing he can say. Well, you know, that's like, you uh, know? that's like two years ago. Or was it last year, Tony? When we went to see uh, Little White perform downtown. Oh, uh, Little and, White. And, yeah. and Mutt Sticky played after. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what the fuck, man? We're the headliners, you know, yeah. like, or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, kind of took the oxygen out of the room after his performance. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was so energetic. And then like, all right, I'm, I'm hype. Let's go now. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something. You know, we all left. Like, yeah. 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 I like both those guys. I like Mutt Stickies. I like him too. But yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, 
yeah, man, this, this, the wrestling thing is a unique thing. I, um, never thought in a million years that we would, you know, that I would be doing the Memphis wrestling and writing the Memphis wrestling and all that stuff. And I think it kind of hit me, um, when King Cobra introduced me, we were eating at Topps barbecue and there were some fans that came over and they introduced me as the Memphis wrestling promoter. And I looked at Cobra like real sharp, like, did he just call me? And then I stopped for a second before I said anything. I was like, Oh, I guess I am. That's wow. Awesome. I had no idea. Well, Nobody had ever called me that before. I saw about another thing that <laughs> Connor stole the billionaire strut from, uh, Vince McMahon. He definitely did. Oh, yeah, damn. <laughs> Vince McMahon be walking like that since like the early 80s or even before oh, then, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yep, definitely. But that yeah, is awesome, definitely. man. So, so what, what is, is your plan for Memphis wrestling in the future, like, or Memphis in general with all your other ventures? Well, the, the Memphis wrestling, we're going to, we're just going to keep getting better and better at doing the TV. We've expanded our, our syndication for our television program. We're on CW 30 in Memphis. We're on CBS in Jackson, Tennessee. We're on a hub TV out in Knoxville and Cookville area. And then we have tube town TV and Ritter communications out in Jonesboro and coming soon to the CW in Arkansas, which will cover all of little rock. Um, we're also touch out to uh, Missouri and Mississippi and all that good stuff. And so our YouTube channel is really killing it. We're getting over 4 million impressions a month just on YouTube alone. Wow, man. I think it's like 2 million minutes watched or something. So it's really picking up. And I just know that it, it just keeps growing. And eventually that our little baby is going to turn into a, you know, an adult living, breathing business, you know, or whatever. Um, but long term, man, I, I could see us. I could see us being on WWE Network at some point. I really nice. could. That's awesome. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for original content, good original content to put on the network with that huge peacock deal that they have. And I, I know people think it's crazy and they'll hear this and they'll say, yeah, right. But I, I just do the nostalgia of Memphis wrestling and it being back. And I think we put on a really entertaining product with some really good wrestlers. And I think they'd be interested in it one day. Uh, the next thing that you'll see though, is with COVID kind of, uh, going by the wayside a little bit, I hate to say that because it's still there, but you know, we're doing, doing things like we used to do. So that's going to open up a lot of more opportunities for us to do things in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, whether it's, uh, gosh, at FedEx forum in that concourse area, I think that would be fun. AutoZone park, the Memphis zoo is a great place. Why not set up a ring in Dave and Buster's? I mean, there's so many cool things that we can do here in Memphis, but we've got to be consistent and we have to have longevity. And my true goal is that just like the Grizzlies, and the Redbirds are, you know, our professional sports teams that when you talk basketball, it's, it's Tigers and Grizzlies. When you talk baseball, it's Redbirds. And when you talk wrestling, it's our Memphis wrestling. Mm. That's what I want it to be. You know, you just said a couple of venues. What about the, uh, the Wiseacre downtown? You've been there, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, yeah. know, you know, the inside is humongous. You could, you could probably do something in there. How cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. We've actually uh, been yeah. talking with uh, Ghost River about doing some stuff with them. And eventually, you know, our plans for the Wrestle Center are going to grow, too. That's not our forever home where we are. Right. You know, we have a three to five year plan. I think it was a five year plan. It might have turned into a three just because um, I can see that we need some more space for storage. Uh, it would be nice to have a separate training room with a different training ring. You know, there's a couple of extra bells and whistles that we're going to work towards and, and also having a full-fledged like gym inside of our, our facility. So I, I would think that in the next 
I'll just safely say three to five years, you'll see that grow and that'll expand, especially if, if things keep going the way that they are just, you know, with the students coming out and people coming to the shows, man. Um, I really, 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 really hopeful that, uh, we just keep climbing. That's it. I just got to keep grinding, baby. You definitely do that. You do it well. Keep grinding. Oh, and, and hopefully, uh, eventually pretty soon we'll have, uh, maybe some beer inside the wrestle center as well. You know, so if we have a Saturday night show, you can enjoy a beer. While you're going to try to get your own signature beer. Barbecue. Hey man, why not a five-star beer? Ghost Acre or Ghost uh, Ghost River could uh, look. I mix them together. Ghost Acre, <laughs> okay. Ghost River, you know, Wiseacre. Somebody could make a, a Memphis wrestling beer, a Body Slam beer, or something. You know, hit up your boy Hopper. Ralph. So we had Hopper, yeah. the owner of Grind City, on the podcast a couple like a couple weeks ago. Okay, and so he his company has made um, the Memphis the Memphis Zoo Brew. It's called Zoo Brew. Mm-hmm. For the okay, Memphis Zoo. And then the big thing they just did was they made a a beer and a seltzer for Paula Rayford. Oh, I saw that. So yeah, I, congrats I think to Paula. Yeah, how awesome is that? Because you know, for years she wanted her dad wanted something, but you know, AB is like, well, you have to buy like I don't know, I forget what it was. There's like some really high number, and they'll wrap it yeah. with the Rayfords instead of but like. Rayford's Bud Light or something like you know, but like it was just not doable or something like that. And then like everything just kept on falling through the waste. Everything just kept on like falling apart, and you know all the plans kept on falling apart. And then and then my friend Alex Edelman said Hopper can make it for you at Grind City, and they went to Hopper, and Hopper was like, "Sure, we can make this. Why why couldn't we make we'll make a beer, a uh, 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 Pilsner for your dad." Because her dad's favorite beer was Bud Light, and uh, we'll make a salsa for you. And they worked on it for a couple months, and the graphics are awesome on the can. You know, I work oh, for it looks great. I work for Anheuser Busch, but their graphics are legit. And see, they can do the fun things like this because they want it. They want to make fun beers for Memphis, and they want to make and, that, and that's what I really like. You know, but they, they're doing this. But I can definitely um, get you guys hooked up if you if you really want a beer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something that uh, we're gonna get a we're gonna get our beer license, and um, we our our television tapings are on Sunday. Uh, VIPs twelve thirty, mm-hmm. bell times two o'clock. So it's during the day. Now I will I will drink a beer during the day on Sunday, but the Saturday night shows I think is where the the real the real opportunity is for, for the beer is a Saturday night. And I'm not talking about everybody gets sloshed and right. watching wrestling or whatever, but I'm talking about if you want to have two or three beers while you're enjoying a you know two to three hour wrestling event, why not? I do it at FedEx forum. We should be able to do it at wrestle center. Yeah. So that's sure. something that I want to bring to it as well. And also it's very important that it's Memphis based mm-hmm. because everything from the graphics that we use to the music that we use on the, uh, the original music, it's all original music pretty much. Um, but we own all that. So everything that we do is basically made right here in the 901. Even yeah. even the wrestlers, like, gosh, it's got to be 95, 90 to 95% of them live here in the Mid-South, which which, which makes the sponsors and advertisers uh, make, you know, it's more valuable to them because our crew can frequent their shops and locations and stuff. And yeah. our crew's friends and family will as well. So you got kind of a built-in support system. You could get a you could get a pills a, a a light beer that has high drinkability like a Bud Light style beer, and then you, mm-hmm. and if you wanted something else, you could get like a like a little a little darker beer, 
or maybe or maybe like a uh, or something like a Modelo, you know. But but but, mm-hmm. but they create it, and it's like a Memphis made, Memphis sold, and you know that'd be that'd be killer for you guys and for them because you know they 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 they've only been around a year and a half or something like that, and they're doing really well with the place with the with the distribution they've gotten. I see them in all my stores. They get, they're getting into chain accounts now, which is huge and unheard of. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like you said high drinkability. I'm going to steal that. Well, that, us nerds in the beer industry, if something, if the, if you can drink, if you can drink more two or three of them, at, at, at in a sitting, like at the pool or something, we we yeah. we consider that high drinkability. I mean, can, like you get, can you get drunk off this? Yes or no? Pretty much. And yeah, yeah you know, right, right, right. Yeah, very cool. So, where can people find you? Man, so I'm um, on social media at Dustin Star, and then you can follow us on wrestling at CW30 Wrestling. Um, all of the events and shirts, you can get shirts. Almost every single one of our wrestlers have their own merchandise now, but all that stuff's at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. Uh, you'll see a calendar there, and you can purchase tickets there, and all that good stuff. Yeah. But um, we have our, our show, brand new content every Saturday at noon, no matter where you are in the world, you can watch it. YouTube.com slash championship wrestling, but that's it, man. If you find the wrestling page, you're, you're going to find me, you're going to find Maria and everybody else. And so uh, what days do you film here in town? Like can people we actually film, go watch? Yes. So the next one is on Sunday. That's April 10th. Uh, the murder Hawk monster from Lan- from uh, AEW Lance Archer's coming into town to fight the gun show. I mean, tickets are as low as 10 bucks. You can get a VIP ticket that comes with a lanyard and all that kind of stuff and come in an hour early and meet the boys and girls. So all that stuff's totally up to you, but uh, you can get in as, as low as $10 and we film about two to um, at least twice a month. Most of the time because of the way that the tapings are and the, uh, you know, you have to have so much footage in the can and all that kind of stuff. So we have, uh, we also just announced, so, so April, April the 10th is Sunday. And then we have April the 15th, which is next Friday. That's going to be in Ripley, Tennessee, a non-televised event. We're coming to the National Guard Armory. We have not been in Ripley, Tennessee since the pandemic, man. So we are going to pack that place out. A lot of, a lot of us have put in a lot of blood, sweat and tears in Ripley, Tennessee, believe it or not. So it's going to be fun to be back. And then the next night on April 16th, we're having our very first Saturday night. It's Memphis wrestling Saturday night at the wrestle center. So we were doing like three shows in what, four or five days there. And then the next TV taping will be on May 1st where the man beast Rhino is coming in and he's going to fight K tumor. We actually just released that this week. So uh, lots of good stuff. And, and nine times out of 10, man, you're going to see somebody here that, like we had Booker T a couple of weeks ago. People were like, man, how in the world did you get Booker T? That was so cool, dude. I saw that. I was like, holy oh, cow, man. Awesome. How awesome. I think yeah, I saw so- I think I saw Carl post that because Carl and, and Hendrix got a Carl Hendrix and Booker T got a picture together. And I was like, yeah. man, that's Booker T. <laughs> Shout out to Carl too, man. Crazy Carl, him and Hendrix are front row at every single one of our events. Hendrix had his birthday party at the Wrestle Center. Which was super was cool. Super fun, man. Just so much fun. That's what it's all about, man. You know, it's just having a good time. And we missed a, we missed basically a whole generation. You know, I have a, a near 14-year-old little boy that has never seen Memphis wrestling before. He knows Bill Dundee because they played with each other in the locker room and threw paper at each other. You know, he knows Jerry Lawler because he hates Jerry Lawler because he always wrestles <laughs> me, you know. 
He he knows these guys oh, for God. different reasons. He doesn't yeah. know the guys that sold out the Mid South Coliseum or that were on mm-hmm. TV, you know, on top of the world and all. He does not know those guys. Most people don't nowadays. It's it's a different generation. The Andy Kaufman slap you were talking about happened forty years ago, brother. Oh yeah, damn. You know, so he doesn't know all that because he's not old enough, and he's not going to watch this black and white stuff on YouTube. He's going to watch the new stuff, you know. So um, teaching teaching the kids, the younger generation that hey this is wrestling and it's cool too it doesn't always have to be wwe yeah you know we're kind of behind the eight ball we we have to assume that they don't know who any of us are because it wasn't on television for so long which is a double-edged sword you're kind of starting scratch but then also you're building the characters that you want to build and telling the stories you want to tell so but missing you know missing that 15 years of tv has kind of put us behind uh in a sense you know but we'll get it just have to have longevity it's like they say patience is a way to win a race. Definitely. This is you're talking about telling stories in one to two minute snippets, you know, 50, 52 weeks a year. Yeah. You know, so on, on a one hour television show, you might get a little bit of what's going to happen. Oh, but you got to wait till next week to get that. So you just tell these stories a little bit at a time over the course of however many weeks until you finally like, for instance, the posse, one of our most popular tag teams, uh, they turned on Christmas Day. And so from Christmas Day all the way until last week's television or two weeks ago's television, they've had one match. But they've been on television every week with this this compelling story Yeah, that it seems like they've had more matches, but they've literally only wrestled one match on television since Christmas Day. And that's all about telling stories until it's time to have a match and the people want to see it. And then it delivers and it's the payoff. It's like, oh, no, we got to see a rematch now. So just telling, telling those snippets of stories, man. I love it. It's cool. Because I know, like, it's when, we be had, consistent. when we had Carl on here, he was talking about like you have to pace everything even with wrestling. Like people oh, like yeah, they sure. like a like they'll do a pause to get the crowd's reaction. They don't want fast pace all the time. Like you have yes. to build the anticipation up. It's funny. We were teaching the kids that today. I call them kids. We were teaching the students that today is that sometimes when you stop and you just look out to the crowd, they'll respond. Yeah, because you're acknowledging even if you're not like like Roman Reigns, acknowledge me. But but, you know, if somebody yells something and you look over then all of a sudden, 10 people, now 20 people, now 30 people. Now the whole place is is chanting the same thing because you acknowledged it. Uh, but you can't you can't do that if you're going 100 miles an hour. Boom, 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 boom. You're not listening to the people. That's why I say the the people and the reaction is way more important than the actual moves. Moves are cool. But how did you make that person in the front row feel when you stopped? Now everybody's chanting. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of a weird, weird uh, mentality, but that's, that's it. It's about the feeling. We're going to have to get a group of people together and come. Um, Let's go on April them. 16th. I have to check see if I'm on call that week or not. Okay. But. That's, yeah. It's Saturday, April 16th for sure. Yeah. So- Saturday night. Absolutely. Outlandish Zicky Dice is coming and we're going to make a huge announcement on the night of the 16th, something that will change the very landscape of Memphis wrestling. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I like there. it, man. So we always end the podcast and we always ask people to give some advice to people that are listening. So what would your advice for people be? Never give up. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. And uh, one of my favorite sayings is whether you, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. 
It's all about the state of mind. Mm. Ooh, that's and really good, man. It is. That's it, man. Never give up. And I know that sounds cliche and all that kind of stuff, but you know, uh, I wrote in a diary about, gosh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. I recently found it and uh, my wife handed it to me. So, you know, of course I was like, I bet she read it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't know what it was. So I flipped through it and I found a page where it was, I, I wrote that I felt like I was a failure in the wrestling business. I had not accomplished anything that I wanted to accomplish. I, you know, it was just kind of, I read about the first three sentences and I shut the book. I was like, Oh, I'm not reading that. And I had, I had, I quit back then, then I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. I wouldn't be working for the Grizzlies. I wouldn't be working for CW 30. I certainly wouldn't have Memphis wrestling, you know, all the stuff that I have. I probably wouldn't have my wife and my, and my baby and stuff. I mean, everything happens for a reason. I just, you know, if I had given up, then that would be it. So, you know, it's important that, you know, a 15 year old, 140 pound, little skinny kid with straggly long hair that was never going to make anything of himself that people laughed at that was getting in the wrestling business. You know, it didn't give up. If I could, if I could do that, then I think, I think others can do anything that they want to do as long as they work for it. So I would say never give up. And whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm. It's a good message. It's beautiful, man. Because I think a lot of people want to try to do something or want to try something, but then they'll either listen to outside influences or they'll listen to that nagger inside your head that's like, hey, you're not good enough or you're never going to make it. And it's just like sometimes we're our own worst critic and we're our own worst um, person that stops us from doing what we want to accomplish because, like you said, we – we generally stop short of the goal that we could probably attain if we just keep going. Yeah. I I just, there were, you know, legendary wrestling figures that, that laughed like at me trying to be a wrestler. They literally laughed like it was funny. And so I take that and I use that at our training center now, because if somebody says, Hey, I want to headline WrestleMania. It's all right. I think you can like, Mm -hmm. really? Like, yeah, but you got to work your ass off. Yeah. And I don't mean just showing up here for training, brother. That means if you if you want to be the WWE and AEW have the very best wrestlers in the entire world. So to say that you have to work your ass off to be there is a definite understatement. I mean, you're eating, sleeping, breathing. You are doing everything you can. Every It sounds crazy, but that's how you make it doing something that's special. That's how you are able to do stuff that nobody's able to do is by doing stuff that they don't want to do. And so I think anything's possible. You just got to work for it. That's it, man. You got to have some breaks along the way, but you definitely got to put in that work. Like they say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. I said that tonight at training. They were complaining about the the warm up. They weren't really (laughs) complaining. They were kind of like... Oh, we got to do another round. And I'm like, yeah, if it was easy, everybody, everybody would do it. And they just kind of look like, you know, that's right. If it was easy, this place would be packed full of people being wrestlers. But And that's what makes y'all special because not everybody yeah. is doing it. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. Well, we appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean, thank it's you been so a good much. Conversation. For sure. And we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll check out my good. schedule um, and see if I can, we can. Get something. What do you say? Was April sixteenth? April sixteenth. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check my. That's a Saturday night event. Yeah. Let me know. I'll put you guys on the list. We'll have a good old time. Yes, sir. 
It's going to be great. All right. We appreciate Dustin. Yes, sir. Thank All you guys. Right. Thanks, All right. See you soon. Have a good night, yes, man. Sir. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, later. Bye.